welcome to the Make Better Photos and Videos podcast. I'm your host, Ross Chevalier. This is episode number 104, and this time we're going to explore the idea of whether you can see a difference on screen between two cameras. Our camera makers will bring out new gear and extol how wonderful it is in the hope to convince you to buy one. That's their job. And if they've actually built something of consequence, it'll succeed. And if they haven't, it won't, at least not at the level of market dominance. My dear friend, Fernando Santos, who's been a guest on the Getting Started with Videos episode recently, uh, he wrote a post uh, suggesting that it's not about the gear. Consensus response was mostly in agreement, but there was a little bit of defensiveness around the value of new equipment versus old equipment as well as some somewhat spurious comments there and elsewhere about how you can see a difference on screen. It's an interesting idea, so let's explore it. To help with this, I'm going to use sample cameras from Sony, Canon, and Olympus in my examples. This doesn't mean that I don't like whatever your brand is. Truth is, I don't care. All cameras today can do a very fine job. Let's start with the Sony and we're going to look at the A7R Mark III. This is a full frame censored camera. The sensor measures 36 millimeters by 24 millimeters and has a defined pixel resolution of 8,000 by 5,320, well, roughly 42 and a half megapixels. These are the facts. Now, if we use 300 pixels per inch as our standard for printing, this means that the Sony delivers a native print size that's 26.7 inches by 17.7 inches. This confirms our expectation that it delivers a lot of data that's going to make a really nice print. If we convert that 36 millimeters to inches, we get 1.417 inches on the long side. Now we'll divide that into 8,000 pixels on the long side and you get a number of 5,644.44 pixels per inch. Stay with me because here's where it starts to get interesting. I use my BenQ SW2700PT display as a reference for this. It delivers 2,560 by 1,440 pixels to display images in a full screen 16 to 9 aspect ratio. Now we can agree that 16.9 isn't ideal for most cameras because they use 3.2 or 4.3 as their aspect ratios, but it is a really lovely full HD screen to work on. It has a surface area of about 310 square inches. And when we do the math, again, long pixels into long side dimension, we get a result of about 108 pixels per inch. Clearly, this excellent display has no hope of accurately representing the results from that Sony sensor. And as an FYI, their 32-inch Adobe RGB-capable SW320, a beautiful screen, delivers a resolution of about 140 pixels per inch. Better, certainly, but nowhere near the deliverable of that Sony sensor. Now, we may have heard of retina displays, as we might find on our Apple iDevices. And if we look at a retina display on a typical iPhone, we're hearing 
resolutions in the 326 to and higher pixels per inch rating. That's a very, very nice display, albeit very small. But note, it's still quite a bit less than what we got out of the Sony sensor. Now, I don't want to talk just about Sony, so let's look at a smaller sensor. And we're going to take a look at the sensor that's in the Olympus OMD EM10 Mark III. This is a micro four thirds sensor camera. And we read all the time that people claim that they can see a difference on screen between a full frame sensor image and a micro four thirds sensor image in terms of overall image quality. Image quality is highly subjective. We could be referring to dynamic range. We could be referring to color tables, but for the moment, I just want to focus on the pixel density. The sensor is 17 millimeters on the long side and delivers 4,608 pixels along that edge. So we do the same math as we did in the case of the Sony sensor. We're going to find that the EM10 Mark III delivers 6,884.89 pixels per inch. Thus, even though the Olympus sensor has a significantly lower megapixel count than the Sony, the pixel density resolution is actually greater than the Sony sensor, and obviously then far greater than the display. That's a bigger resolution than the 4K display. But even if there were an 8K display with four times the resolution of the 4K, the resolution of that 8K display would still be nowhere near what the sensor puts out in terms of pixel data. Now let's explore Fernando's initial premise. We're going to go back in time to an old camera that had only an eight megapixel sensor in a crop format. And the example we're going to use is Canon's old 20D. Many folks feel that this is a pretty much useless sensor. It's so old and so decrepit. Well, let's find out. That camera had a sensor size of 22.5 millimeters on the long side by 15 millimeters on the short side. And it had a total pixel count of 3,504 by 2336. So if we do exactly the same math as we did before, what we discover is that this old, no longer effective, in quotes, sensor is delivering 3,955.63 pixels per inch. Certainly this is less pixel density resolution than either the Sony or the Olympus, but it's still substantially more than for either of the measured displays. Now, yes, I am comparing raw files, but even if you're exporting JPEGs at 300 pixels per inch, you still couldn't see the difference. I'm also not taking into account pixel surface area, pixel spacing, and cannot possibly take into consideration the processing that gets done by the end camera CPU before that raw file is created. You may recall that in a previous episode, I mentioned that all raws are not created equal. Regardless, we see that the pixels per inch from our cameras, old and new, blow away the pixels per inch of the best screen by orders of magnitude. Is this overly simplified? Yes, simple. Overly, no. It's a fairly simple to understand concept. So some will say, yes, but it's very different when we print. 
okay, printing is a higher resolution game. But even then, we can easily see that we can get ex excellent looking prints from lower resolution sensors and have done so for many years. Don't kid yourself, sensors have improved dramatically in terms of their dynamic range and the in-camera processing does a better job, new CPUs do a better job, improvement overall sensor design has significantly improved the inflection point where digital noise becomes evident. I'm not saying that you shouldn't consider a new camera if you're unhappy with your old one. Just don't believe that you're gonna be able to see a difference on the screen when it comes to specifically pixel density resolution. So my point, maybe don't worry so much about how much better the other guy's camera is, or if that new camera is so much better than your own from a pixel density resolution perspective. Also don't worry about how bad your camera is because it's gonna be an utter waste of time. Megapixels really don't matter until we get to the subject of really big prints where those prints are at really, really high resolution. And even when we get to that point, we then have to consider that printer dots per inch resolutions will dramatically override the PPI resolution that we've sent in our exported files. For example, if I look at any of the Canon or Epson printers, I'm gonna find that their dot per inch rating is somewhere around 4,800 dots per inch. So if we're feeding them a 300 pixels per inch file, they're doing something inside that printer engine to bring that up to 4,800 dots per inch. So again, there's a lot of work being done in the printer well over and above the file that we sent to it. If shooting in JPEG is the right answer for your use cases, well, honestly, the camera matters even less because of the destructive compression inherent in all JPEGs. I've said it before, I'll share it again. When we shoot in JPEG fine, we're throwing away just over 73% of the original data before the JPEG gets created in camera. That means we're throwing away information and that information is going to be inherent in the resolution and the expandability of that file. Now let's think about this in the context of the web or social media, or even just to have images on your smart device. Are they JPEGs? JPEGs are 8-bit files. That means that they have a maximum of 256 tonal values. And of those 256 tonal values, 128 of them are in the whitest area. You're not going to see better shadows from two identical exposures with two different cameras on a screen because there just isn't the data there to support it. You might see a difference in the whites, presuming of course that your display is not set far too bright as all displays are set from the factory. The reason for this is that displays are transmissive and to get the hottest punch in color, makers turn the display brightness way up. This is a particular problem if you judge your prints by your display and think your prints are too dark. The reality is the print is correct. It's showing you the real processing. And if a print looks too dark, it means that your display is set way too bright. This isn't a discussion concept. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I've met lots of folks who have calibrated their displays and control their editing locations, and they still have prints that they say are too dark. In every single case, without exception, I've discovered that the display is set way too bright. 
Just for fun, check the brightness setting on your display. Is it above 50%? If yes, it's too bright. Personal experience, and yours will be different, is that when I encounter a display set above 25% brightness, it's typically too bright to accurately judge a print. Now, I understand that I've wandered off topic a little bit, but I think it's important that we explore some of these considerations when we make value judgments by looking at a screen. So don't get hooked by marketing or so-called experts. If you have issues with your camera, replace it, but do so based on your use cases, not based on what someone else shoots, recommends, or tells you is better than everything else. You might find functionality and features in a new camera that are of enormous value to you and others may find values that are meaningless to you entirely. Make up your own mind. If you think a new product is right, then buy it. Or better still, rent it and find out for sure. I've had the great fortune to have reviewed hundreds of cameras. Some of them I really hated. But none of them produced a completely unacceptable image when used properly in accordance with their design precepts. Some had horrible focusing. Some were terrible in low light and some really sucked at higher ISOs. Some had some in-camera processing that even with the RAWs, I just didn't like the default results from them. Yeah, I could change it, but that first image on RAW conversion really didn't suit me. I didn't like the color science or I didn't like the approach. Then there are other cameras that have felt great in my hands. They've had terrific viewfinders, were great in crap light and at high ISOs and focused in bad light on moving subjects like a dream. That's for me to decide based on my use cases, but you have different use cases. How can any camera that is right for one person immediately be perfect for any other without looking at our use cases? So in conclusion, I've given you some data. You still get to decide whether you choose to believe it or not, but the data tells us that looking at even the best screens, we cannot tell the difference in resolution between an old sensor and a new one because the screens just can't keep up. Do you have an idea for an article, tutorial, video, or podcast? Do you have an imaging question unrelated to this article? Send me an email directly at ross at thephotovideoguy.ca or post in the comments. When you email your questions on any imaging topic, I will try to respond within a day. If you shop with BNH Photo Video, please consider doing so through the link on thephotovideoguy.ca as this helps support my efforts and has no negative impact whatsoever on your shopping experience. If you find the podcast, videos, or articles of value, please consider clicking the donation tab in the sidebar of the website and buy me a coffee. Your donation goes to help me keep things going. I'm Ross Chevalier. Thanks for reading, watching, and listening. And until next time, peace.